재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Bringing you stimulating discussions on current affairs Discover the best of news and current affairs Primetime on TBS EFM Well, thank you so much for joining us, Professor. Uh, just from your own work and judging from your own cost-benefit analyses of immigration, do you believe, and it's a fundamental question, do you believe the pros outweigh the cons or vice versa? It certainly is a fundamental question. If I could answer it properly, I deserve a Nobel Prize. <laughs> um, uh, it, I think it's important to realize that migration um, to and fro uh, is a perfectly natural, normal, and indeed desirable um, process uh, um, between between countries which are at peace with each other and trading with each other, um, and uh, and always has been. The problem arises um, when um, migration becomes unbalanced, when many more people uh, arrive than leave, or when many more people leave than arrive, leading to depopulation. Um, and to answer your question, it's, I think, desirable to think about different strands of migration, because migration is a complex process, mm. lots of different kinds of people coming for different kinds of reasons from different kinds of places. Um, uh, migration of, of highly skilled persons um, who can integrate themselves very easily into the workforce and society um, and, and who are clearly economically beneficial is a good thing for the receiving countries, although it may, if, it comes from, if they come from a poor country, they may um, uh, be part of a brain drain, which is denuding that country from, from its talent. On the other hand, um, uh, dependence uh, from, from poor countries and, and people who arrive uh, from poor countries uh, illegally um, uh, and then become naturalized, um, they tend to be a, a debit uh, in the economic balance sheet. And so it depends on, on, on the balance of migration and, and the size of migration. But my view about migration to, to, to the UK at the moment um, is that it is generally not uh, beneficial. It's on a very, very large scale compared to, our, to the normal pattern. Um, um, it requires enormous uh, investments in infrastructure, in housing and transport. And, of course, the immigrants do not bring that investment with them. Mm-hmm. It has to be provided. Um, and um, uh, quite a high proportion of that migration from, uh, from the European Union is of people with very low-skill, low-productivity jobs, which is not what Britain needs. Uh, to compete in the modern world. My view about migration I- into Britain at the moment will be, it will be very slightly negative on balance, taking everything into consideration. But uh, at other times, um, I would come to the conclusion that it was beneficial um, when the volume was less um, and the balance between skilled and, and, and less skilled workers and dependents was more favorable than it is at the moment. And so that's a very conditional kind of answer. 
But I think you, you have to look at, at each different pairs of countries, each different migration stream uh, before you can come to a judgment on that. Right, and uh, as you point, controversial. yeah, it, it, there just seems to be an infinite number of different factors that come into play when uh, making a, a qualitative judgment like this. Yep. Uh, you mentioned the UK. As far as the UK and the wider European Union, um, and we know each country has, of course, their own preferences and 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 ways to craft policy. And a lot of this was external and and, and events beyond our control. But do you believe uh, the policies that were crafted in regards to immigration and migration were poorly conceived? Could they have done a better job? In the European Union, you mean? Yes. Yes, yes, they, they were not constructed with any foresight. Uh, the idea of, of the Schengen Agreement, whereby once uh, in the uh, Schengen country, in the, within the European Union, you could move freely to any other country in, in the Schengen group, um, was, of course, uh, designed in order to facilitate particularly uh, the, the ease of trade and of commerce. And in that respect, economically, it's a very good idea. Uh, to, to get rid of, of boundaries to movement of goods. Um, if you confine the, the, the movement to, um, to those countries of similar economic level, uh, similar uh, uh, culture within Europe, um, then that's also beneficial because that c- kind of movement tends to be on, on rather a modest scale. If you've got a collection of countries which are, have the same kind of economic uh, status, the same kind of wealth, then, then migration is, is uh, natural. Migration tends to be at a fairly modest level, uh, generally beneficial, um, helpful both to the people themselves and the economies that they exchange people with. Um, however, um, if uh, you then have uh, either, either um, you extend the Schengen area until it includes um, uh, countries which are much poorer and bring them into the European Union, like some of the Eastern European countries like Bulgaria and Romania, where the GDP per head is only a quarter of, of the rest of, of the European average, um, then the migration becomes unbalanced. Uh, uh, too many people leave for the capacity of the receiving countries to deal with. It also tends to depopulate those countries, which Romania and Bulgaria are losing population quite fast, partly because of uh, immigration. Uh, and, and finally, of course, once other people from outside uh, Europe manage to, to, to enter the Schengen area, um, uh, then the, the whole thing starts to collapse, as we have seen, because when terrible things happen, as in Syria, and, and uh, people numbering in millions um, enter Europe, mostly irregularly, mostly illegally, there, there's no barrier to stop them moving within Schengen at all. And those countries which have not joined the Schengen area um, mm. are, are, are protected to some extent. And, and those countries which are within the Schengen area start to change their minds about it and, and erect barriers which were not intended to be there. So it becomes a tremendous mess. But no one envisaged that happening. And, and to begin with, no one thought of, of, of the expansion of the European Union into much poorer countries than initially uh, comprised it. Right. There is, of, of course, uh, a need to talk about the backlash uh, politically, uh, also in the various societies around Europe. And, and as you point out, whether you're talking about someone who comes to the UK uh, from Bulgaria to work as a barista at a coffee shop or, or a refugee from, from Africa, uh, we are certainly seeing uh, the rise of this sort of far-right sentiment, whether it's UKIP and, and the Brexit referendum or whether it's uh, the, the emergence of Marine Le Pen in in uh, France, uh, is that going to be the new normal in your view unless uh, this uh, fundamental question of how to deal with migration as a continent is uh, fully addressed? 
Uh, yes, I do, but it, it involves much more than, than the far right. Um, I certainly wouldn't class uh, UKIP as the far right. Um, it may, well, I'm sure it does include people with far right sentiments, mm-hmm. but um, this, this is a, a body which um, uh, gets up to 20% of the vote um, uh, and, and might well get more than that in other, other elections. And I don't, I don't believe that 20% of, of, of the people here or in Germany or in France are um, uh, racist. They're people who are um, greatly troubled by the effect of migration on their society and their economy uh, and on their local towns and, and city. Um, so it's not just a far-right problem. Okay. Well, it is a far-right problem. It extends over a, a wide mass of the people. I mean, Marine Le Pen in France, despite the fact that her party has some unpleasant policies, nonetheless will, will attract a very large number of votes of, of people who are um, not particularly persuaded by those those policies, but, but see her and her party as being a very important way of protesting uh, against migration trends which, which they feel otherwise powerless to do anything about. When we uh, talk about these warm, fuzzy feelings and people saying uh, yeah. it's the right thing to do, uh, when we're talking about the uh, the plight of thousands and thousands of people, uh, we're ha- heartbroken by the images we see coming out of Syria and other uh, troubled spots around the world. How do we strike that balance to uh, make sure that um, migration policies are fair, humane, but at the same time also mindful of things like national security and, and other problems it may cause? That is the most difficult question, um, and I, I, I don't know how to solve it. Given that most of these people have been driven out of their homes against their will, never particularly wanted to go to, uh, to Europe right. uh, until their, uh, their security was threatened and their homes were destroyed and, uh, and, and um, uh, their lives threatened, um, then the, the ideal thing would be to plan uh, somehow for, for them, for them to, to return to a, a reconstructed country. That, that may be a pie in the sky. That may be an impossible ideal, particularly in Syria, with, um, with what looks like the, the eventual victory of Bashir al-Assad, who was an extremely un- unpleasant person. Um, um, and so we may be stuck with, with a serious problem for quite a long period of time until Syria can be reformed and, and rebuilt. Um, I think that the better solution, if it's possible for the neighboring countries to cope with it, is for um, the rich countries where the migrants may be heading to put as much investment as possible um, into areas within um, uh, Lebanon, within uh, Jordan, within within Turkey, um, where migrants might stay and might be allowed to work, which they which which is difficult for them when they have an irregular and, and unorganized status. And that is being done on a small scale and needs to be done on a much bigger scale. It may not be possible, I have to confess, to do it on, on um, uh, um, a, a big enough scale to allow con- this problem to be contained. The position is still highly unstable. Um, it is possible that if, if Turkey so decides, then it may um, open, open its doors to allow migrants who, who are presently living in, in Turkey uh, to cross o- over to Europe. You may recall there was a deal whereby with certain concessions from Europe, the Turks uh, would prevent uh, mm. the migrants who are living in Turkey, who come from Syria, going across to Europe, and they, they threatened uh, to, to um, um, uh, abandon that policy because of the, uh, the posture of the European Union having changed mm. about Turkey's uh, admission to the EU. So it's all still highly unstable. There may be more big floods of migrants in the future. Having said all that, um, important to remember that that, that before the, the, the Arab Spring, before the uprising, 
Um, although Bashir al-Assad and his regime is, is a very brutal one, nonetheless it did it did keep the peace for the most part. Um, um, if, if you weren't engaged in opposition against uh, the, the regime, then um, they did hold together um, a, a, a very diverse country with different kinds of Islam, um, with different kinds of Christians, um, uh, in, in a not unreasonable, uh, stable situation. Um, it may be that can be reestablished with some reconciliation. I don't know. Some difficult questions do remain, and we wish we had uh, more time to discuss this, but we're going to have to leave it there. Professor Coleman, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye.